It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to BGN Radio. Darren Sproul's gone! Touchdown, Eagles! Why you would punt the ball to Darren Sproul's in the middle of the field, I have no idea. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have made it to episode number 105, and we are finally to our very first, our very first preview show of the year. And thank God, because it felt like this thing was going to take forever. But uh, a little bit of a quick turnaround. Obviously, we had some fun, uh, you know, talking uh, earlier this week, and uh, we're welcoming pretty much the same crew back. Mr. Matt Daring, what's happening, buddy? How are you? Johnny, I just moved, so I went downstairs, introduced myself to the neighbor, and screamed at them for five minutes about the Eagles. <laughs> Uh, and of course, our lead draft writer, Mr. Ben Natan. What's happening, buddy? How are you? I am doing great. Nothing much is happening. Excited for this preseason game, which I am going to actually. Ah, fancy. Ooh, yeah, and all very that good nice. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gentlemen, let's start. I mean, I know I, I don't know how much preseason football we watched last night, but uh, any impressions uh, around the league there, Matt? Boy, that Dallas. Are they all first round picks? Is everybody <laughs> on that team a first round pick? Like unbelievable. Um, yeah, I watched a little bit of it. I saw all-star Travis Frederick botch a snap. I didn't see Tony Romo. Uh, I saw, uh, Brandon Whedon. Um, and what was the other game? Oh, it was uh, new England and, um, new England and green Bay. I thought, um, I thought the green Bay defense was back to its old non-tackling ways. And, uh, yep. uh <laughs> new England looked, uh, they still look pretty good. Sorry to say. Yes. Yes, they did. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or Tom Brady or whatever. They still Jonas Gray. Having, uh, of course, just making all the uh, fantasy football heads uh, pop out. By the way, if you haven't listened to that, we ranked the quarterbacks on This Week in Fantasy. It's in the feed. Go check it out uh, for that. Uh, yeah, and we got Marcus Mariota as we're recording this uh, Friday night where obviously we haven't seen him yet, but I, I know Ben is still shedding a tear. Right, Ben? Yeah, this is like seeing the girl you're in love with with another guy. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring bring myself to, to, to watch Marcus Mariota. 
Which brings us to uh, basically to our first topic, as Chip Kelly announced today at the press conference. And you know, it's a good thing we waited on this thing because there's a lot of good nuggets, and we're getting to Zach Ertz here in a second here, Matt. But uh, I don't know when we, you know, Sam Bradford's not going to go uh, against the Colts on Sunday. Uh, it really is disappointing from a fan perspective, and I know that's how I kind of feel. I really wanted to see him out there. I've been saying I want to sip a little tea here, but now this is starting to bring up all those old things. Is Bradford 100%? Is there really any reason to stop him for one week? Do they really want to just see him in joint practices and a little more game-type mode here? What do you think the, the reason for the holdout is, even though it's just speculation from us? John, I think there's a lot of things it could be. I mean, there's a million reasons not to play him. Um, and there's really just, there's a very few reasons why you would play him. Um, and of course, you know, other guys, they may feel differently. Like, you know, you see Aaron Rodgers out there, but Aaron Rodgers is, you know, obviously fine. With Bradford, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. We have an unsettled right guard situation. You know, you get like a little unlucky and somebody messes up there and you lost Bradford again, or, uh, you know, they could be a little uncomfortable with the turf. Somebody on Twitter brought that up as a possibility. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons not to play him. I think it would have been much more telling if they had played him because they would have said, we're here, we're Bradford, get used to it. But, you know, he he wasn't ready. Uh, you know, they, they decided not to make him available. I don't really mind it. I mean, it's certainly, it, it would have been nice to see, but I don't think, and, and them playing him would have said a lot. But the fact that they haven't played him doesn't say enough to me to really start to panic just yet. Uh, like Matt was saying, I think when you look at the the other quarterback situations in preseason, Tony Romo has a similar you know, injury concern with his back instead of his knee where they didn't want to take the risk with putting him out for a few drives. And, and the Eagles are probably doing something similar. But I wonder what delaying this a week really does for Bradford's health. Is he really that close where, you know, playing him this week is a risk, but maybe not next week? And I know Chip said something about getting familiar and comfortable with playing the Ravens defense in the joint practices next week. But let, but I think that, you know, there's a million different reasons you don't play him. But I think it would have said a lot more if they did play him. And it just kind of, you know, makes the fan uncomfortable or, or whatever. Uh, not that Chip cares, but uh, it's it's a little strange, but I'm not going to worry about it too much. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat there. I don't really know what a week does you know you're still going to have to have that answer at some point are this part of me thinks like are we really just kind of delaying the inevitable here <laughs> you know and we've you know gone through all this thing since march and uh you know gone from like what are they doing to okay i can get on board with this and now this is kind of i don't know this is a little bit of reality kind of sitting in here and jimmy kempsby's been pretty loud that his acl isn't 100 percent. but the, here's the only thing i'll say to that is how close to 100% can you be anyway with this type of injury? I mean, are we talk, is it 85%? Is it 70%, 60%? How bad is it? You know, he's he's running around on the practice field, but obviously any shot to the knee is going to wipe him out. And more to the point of, yes, they probably want to wait on the right guard situation and have Mark Sanchez get in there and, you know, he's the healthier one, so you got to go with that. But if you're really if that's holding you out, then you probably wouldn't want to start Sanchez either. If it is that bad, because you know, then then you're then you. I think it's a bigger problem at this point now, Matt. If and I, again, it's we're all just playing hypothetical here. But if Sanchez goes down, I'm knocking on some serious wood when I'm saying this. But you know, how does that how does that stop you from evaluating how Bradford's health wise? 
you know, trying to get used to this stuff. I thought the whole point of this was trying to get the rust off, and it seems like it's not really, this doesn't help that. Uh, I don't know if it's really about that one week. I mean, you uh, you talk about knocking the rust off a little bit, but maybe, you know, maybe there's like a kind of an iterative knocking, rust knocking process going on here where, you know, first you try to get your guards, you try to get them out there, get their rust off. And then next time you're like, all right, now that you guys are a little less rusty, we're going to put Sam behind you because Sam is precious cargo. Um, but I'm not sure that it, I'm, I'm not convinced that it's it's entirely about the um, the one week at all. Like, I really don't. I'm with you. I think that if you're talking about how is Bradford's knee going to be different this week from next week, like it's probably not going to be a lot unless he's at like some critical stage that we're not privy to. I just sort of more think that it's kind of a it's just a matter of why would you do this? You know, why? Why would you take this sort of risk? You might be in a, you're in unfamiliar territory. Um, you know, there's just there's a lot going on. First preseason games can be pretty chaotic uh, at times. You got like. You know, you got all sorts of weirdos who've wandered onto these rosters and are yeah. trying to make a name for themselves or whatever. Like, you know, you got you got like creepy drifters and, you know, you got like uh, loose cannons that don't play by the rules. And, you know, all these all this weirdness going on. I just think that there's a lot of risks to take and it, maybe it doesn't seem all that appealing. And the more I think about it, it doesn't really appeal to me that much. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it just doesn't, I keep coming back to that. It, the, the the first preseason game is meaningless just as much as the second one. So, I don't. I, yeah, I, well, I think I, that there's a decent case to be made for, you know, maybe don't play him hardly at all. If you, yeah. you know, if you think about this, maybe wait till after they get down to 75. So, you know, you have like a, a little bit better chance of not having these guys trying to throw haymakers and make it onto somebody else's team or something like that. I think that you could make a decent case that you keep him out for that. I don't know, Ben, don't you think that then at that point, just play him in the third preseason game. If you're going to hold him out this, you might as well hold him out the second week too. I mean, you know, and just kind of see how it goes from there. And hopefully the knee is as good as it's going to be by that time. You know, there's no point, there's no point in waiting a week. There isn't to play in the next one. So I'm, I'm probably more on the train of, don't play them next week either. Have them go through the joint practices, see if it holds up. If it does, sit them out and then have them rehearse in that third preseason game with two or three quarters. I mean, as much as I want to agree with you in terms of like preserving his health, we're also talking about a player who hasn't seen live action in a year. Uh, and when we're talking about a proverbial rust shaking off, I mean, what player on the roster has more rust than Bradford? And I, I think it's really important to kind of get him out there, even if it's for one or two drives in the second preseason game to get him a little bit comfortable mentally with the game, because there's so much, you know, mentally that obviously that's going on at the quarterback position that just throwing him out there in the third, you know, dress rehearsal game. Uh, I feel like you're really doing him a disservice if he is close to being healthy. And I think that it comes to a point where you might have to take a chance. Like if, if he's at 90% next week uh, for health and, there's really no big difference between like this week and next week. It do- it doesn't really make sense to continuously hold him out um, because then you just and you're gonna end up like hit, having him never like physically being ready and then also delaying his like mental rust shaking off as it were. Uh, and going back to the whole guard situation, if you know if the guard situation is bad this week and it's bad next week, I mean, then you're just kind of creating this hole for yourself where you're constantly uncomfortable with. I mean, they took this chance back in March. 
and obviously they knew the risks that were involved. And at this point, it seems like they're almost like reneging on that. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's I, I, that's how I kind of feel about it too, and it makes me nervous <laughs> that they're doing it. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I know, and I'm not saying that like they should care about how I feel or any of that stuff. It's just that no, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, pal. Uh, but th- but this is that's what I'm saying. If you're if you are going to be that cautious, if you're not going to throw him into the fire, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, have Sanchez start the season. Honestly, I'd rather I'd rather take the rust, and, and the, you know I, I I'm fine with waiting. And I understand Ben's point about just waiting. Uh, waiting's going to only delay delay that, but at least have the rust and have him healthy, and then you can build on that towards the end of the year. You know. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know why did why did they do this in the first place. Otherwise, I'm just uh, I'm just so confused by it. I'm pro- definitely there's some overreaction going on. And when we listen to this, you know, week one, we're gonna be uh, feel really silly about ourselves. But Matt, the other huge issue, and I think is a, a much larger than Bradford not playing a meaningless preseason game next week, is that Zach Ertz confirms that he got surgery done today on his groin, and we know from the past that. That's not exactly great, especially for tight ends or quarterbacks or really anybody when you have a hernia. Uh, I, what is the outlook for you now with Zach Ertz? I got a feeling that he's probably not going to be there week one. Well, I got to tell you, I think the surgery is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's not super duper. I mean, I think that the the only silver lining is that when you heard when you heard Chip talk about it, they sort of said that like we wanted to nip this in the bud while there was still time, so that he could hopefully be back by week one as opposed to you know, having him risk missing half the season, you know, come week four. Uh, so I think that's pretty much that's pretty much the only thing is that it seems like this was more of a, you know, if we want to if we want to mix metaphors a little bit, it was a little bit of a prophylactic kind of move, you know, preventative medicine surgery, uh, as it were. So um, but it's definitely going to suck because, um, you know, Ertz is that he's that guy and, you know, he's going to take the big step forward and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, it seemed like he and uh, he and Bradford were really seeing eye to eye in camp. And so he's going to be missing out on the rest of this practice. And um, even if he's ready by week one, you know, he's still going to be a little bit rusty. He's still going to be sort of uh, stuck spinning his wheels for another another week or a couple of weeks trying to beat out Selleck for playing time just because he can't get on the field, you know, because of his blocking. Uh, you know, he certainly is going to still still be rusty there and missing out on all this practice. That's never good. So, yeah, not great for old uh, old Stanford Zach there, but uh, hopefully he can see his way through this. Uh, and before we uh, get Ben's opinion uh, right now, I'm very happy to have uh, for the very first time on uh, BGN Radio. I know back in the day, Dan Klosner and I tried to get this man on several times, but it never just worked out. And we're so glad to have him here. Uh, we talked to him yesterday. So uh, the Bradford and Ertz news had not come out yet, but still wanted to get his perspective on everything else from PhiladelphiaEagles.com and, of course, the host of the Eye in the Sky podcast. We welcome Mr. Fran Duffy right now on the Duncan Philly Hotline. Fran, how's it going, buddy? Doing all right. How are you, John? Good, man. We uh, we finally are going to have some football action. So first and foremost, what uh, matchups are you looking for? Who are you really interested in seeing on Sunday? And, uh, you know, what most exciting thing, uh, I guess that you're looking for. Well, I guess the most exciting thing is just the quarterback position, just seeing uh, how Sam Bradford looks, how Mark Sanchez looks. Obviously, everyone wants to see Tim Tebow as well. So, really excited to see the quarterback position. But in terms of matchups, uh, you know, you got to look at the secondary, and this is going to be a tough test for them uh, early on in the preseason. You've got a really deep, talented group of uh, wide receivers there for the Indianapolis Colts with uh, the newly re signed T.Y. Hilton. 
You've got uh, you know a number of young guys that drafted Philip Dorsett in the first round this year. So a uh, really exciting group of wide receivers to see what this secondary is all about with a new look, uh, new look group of three new starters. Absolutely, and and uh, you know especially on. I guess on the offensive side of the ball, and we were also just talking about this earlier, it's just there's kind of been a massive rotation of, of right guards here, and we're not sure who's going to stick. It looks like Andrew Gardner's going to be, you know, obviously he's been getting the most reps with the ones. How do you kind of see that falling out, and is that the, you know, one of the other bigger things that the Eagles fans should be looking for? Yeah, it absolutely should be one of the big things to look for, and uh, against this multiple front in Indianapolis, it's gonna, another group where you're going to see a good test early on. Uh, they've got Arthur Jones there. They drafted Henry Anderson uh, in the middle rounds out of Indianapolis or out of Stanford, rather. So really, they uh, they've got some talented guys up front. How it shakes out will be interesting to see. It's uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, you know, there's obviously been a number of guys there with Moffitt and Tobin and Gardner. Uh, Julian Vanderbilt has gotten some looks there inside. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I'm excited to see it all play out because you know, I think it'll be the best man. Let the best man win, and uh, you know, I think the games will help decide it. Now we've been uh, we've had a couple of uh, yeah a good good amount of time with uh, with training camp. Now what's kind of some of the things that you're seeing that are sticking out? Is there something that has surprised you? I guess thus far in training camp, I think the guys that have stood out the most, and just because of the way that camps are held now, you know, with the lack of tackling and things like that, uh, you know, I think that the wide receiver group has looked really strong. You know, Nelson Aguilar has made some plays. Josh Huff has looked good. Jordan Matthews has looked fantastic. Uh, Zach Ertz has made some great catches as well. So. I think the pass catchers as a whole have uh, looked really, really good. We're not going to get a great, great sense uh, of the offensive line, the defensive front seven, uh, you know, the run game in particular, just because, you know, it's tough to see without any true tackling uh, how that group's going to look. So that's why it's, uh, you know, a, a big day Sunday and really excited to see how it all plays out. And, you know, as far as these, I don't know, there's, there's been a big debate back and forth whether there has or hasn't been a, a QB battle here in camp, is there a, a really a true chance that Mark Sanchez could be starting week one? I mean, I would think so. And uh, they've talked they talk all year about competition. Uh, that's clearly what it is. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what Bradford brings. But we know what Sanchez can do as well. I mean, he uh, led this team down the stretch to a number of big wins. Uh, obviously, it didn't turn out the, the way everybody would have wanted at the end of the season. But really, really excited to see what both quarterbacks can do. And then also what Matt Barkley can do. Uh, under center there late in the game, and Tim Tebow as well. So uh, I think all four quarterbacks will probably play, and I'm really excited to see how they do. And uh, I know uh, our, our good man, uh, Ben Natan, who's the uh, lead draft writer here, says it's never too early to start talking about the next draft. Are you keeping an eye on uh, anybody in particular right now? Oh, man, well, uh, it's tough right now just because, obviously, with training camp uh, and college access to camp is nothing like the NFL, so uh, you really don't see too, too much out there. You read the injury reports and uh, and things like that. But uh, it's a really exciting time. You know, obviously the games will be kicking off here in three, four weeks. I uh, just started a college draft podcast with Ross Tucker, and I'm really excited about that, covering these college guys uh, week in and week out throughout the season. And, you know, really, if you look around the league, I would say around the country right now, some of the strongest groups, you're looking at the linebacker position uh, with guys like Jalen Smith from Notre Dame and Miles Jack, UCLA, Reggie Ragland down in Alabama. Uh, it's a really good group overall. I'm really excited about that group. I think there's some really good, talented corners uh, coming up, mostly in the junior and, side and redshirt sophomore class. Eli Apple from Ohio State, uh, Cam Sutton from Tennessee, I really, really liked, and uh, Tredavious White from LSU. So I would say those two positions right now, in my mind, have been the two that have stood out. Awesome. I love it. What's the name of the uh, the podcast with Ross Tucker? What's that called again? 
That's that, that called the College Draft Podcast, and that's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else you get podcasts. Uh, you know, we just started that this past week, so looking forward to doing that now through the uh, through the rest of the draft process. Oh man, you just gave all of draft Twitter just the the biggest hard on ever. I love it. No, that's awesome, man. We're looking forward to it, and Fran. We really appreciate uh, everybody. You know, uh, you joining us for the very first time, and we're we're glad to have you back anytime, Fran. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And a big, uh, once again, a big thank you. And of course, the shout out to Draft Twitter at the end is uh, he is just like Ben, always watching what is happening going on here. And Ben, we were talking about just before Fran came on that, you know, Ertz is, was supposed to be, at least in my mind, when you had him there in the slot on the outside, along with Sproles and all that stuff, was supposed to be that kind of security blanket for Nelson Aguilar to kind of come in, you know, maybe ease himself in here. Uh, does that change? I guess that for you is, is, is you know, Sproles going to be that guy that might be in the spot. Does Nelson Aguilar now have to step up? Yeah. And I, I think that unfor- like as unfortunate as it is, it's also a huge opportunity for guys like Aguilar to see more time on the field. Uh, obviously, Ertz is a really dynamic part of the passing game. He was a movable chess piece. Uh, you know, they played him on the they were playing him on the outside in camp, you know, in the slot, in line, everything. Uh, but with him out, they need to they need to kind of try to add another dynamic component and Aguilar is apparently looking a lot better and he's looking a lot better in each practice. So maybe by the time that week one rolls around, uh, he's going to be able to step up and, and at least contribute as that third option in the passing game. And like I said before, obviously this sucks that, that Ertz isn't going to be able to play, but I mean, Selleck's still, I mean, he's not a scrub. He's, he's slow, but I mean, he, he's still a good tight end. And Trey Burton was actually looking pretty good in, in camp when I was there. So I'm hoping that the talent on the roster at the skill positions, which there's a ton of young talent, uh, will be able to mitigate the effect of losing Ertz for a little bit. But uh, obviously him missing this much practice is going to delay his, you know, his impact on the team once he steps back on the field. But I think that, there's going to be enough on the team to kind of gloss over that until he's ready. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, Trey Burton is definitely one of the names to watch uh, to maybe get some snaps here. And I know that there was also like everybody had their idea of like, hey, you look out for such and such to make the team now. And there's like, I don't know, somebody had like 30 different tight end situations for who can make the Eagles roster now that's there now. And I didn't know half of the names on there. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to kind of see how how that develops and uh, you know, it's get them out of the way early, I guess, is the only kind of silver lining that we can think here. But uh, again, when we when, now when we look at this, this Colts game, I don't know if it how, mu- how much is that really interesting you now, Matt? I mean, granted, it's good to see maybe Sanchez for a couple of series here to see if he can throw the ball a little deeper. Does his arm look stronger? All that other stuff. But now this is kind of in the mix. What are you looking forward to now? Yeah, I got nothing as far as as far as the pass throwers. I mean, whatever. Those guys are all fine. I mean, I don't know. Tebow's <laughs> Tebow seems nice. Barkley, he's got a lot of products. Uh, Sanchez, he's also he's got some hair. Like, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> but um, but I'm, here's what I really want to see. I want to see Nelson Aguilar. I want to see I want to see Josh Huff punch someone in the mouth. Yeah, not, buddy. Not Absolutely. literally, because uh, that's not cool. Yeah. Do not Legarrette Blunt. Yeah. This. Yeah, yeah be bad. workplace bullying is not a joke, but um, I want to see Josh Huff get out there and just like I want to see him like chuck a defensive back who doesn't really care to the ground. You know, like that's going to feel really good for me. Like um, who do they have? Uh, uh, Vontae Davis. Like I want to see Josh yeah. Huff like just sort of just sort of rock Vontae Davis, you know, and and and, and knock him over. I want to see him makes people look stupid. 
Um, that's probably that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. Uh, Aguilar. Um, it'd be cool if we could see um, if we could see how these defensive backs match up against Andrew Luck, who also probably won't really be caring all that much. You know, the preseason's like in in um, uh, in spring training when you have pitchers where they just throw 75 fastballs. Yeah. You know, like I sort of feel like it's that sort of thing. It still will be kind of fun to see like how does this guy hit. Uh, a major league fastball. So I think it's a, it's the same sort of situation with these defensive backs where we want to see like, how can they handle, even though Andrew Luck isn't really trying, how can they handle, you know, what he brings to the table? Um, want to make sure, see them, see that they don't get beat, see that they don't get, uh, you know, made to look stupid, all that stuff. And I want to watch Josh Huff make some folks look stupid. I'm also looking really, I'm uh, looking forward to the defensive backs. I think the Colts are really, really deep at wide receiver to the point where their fifth option in the passing game is, is this, uh, is Deron Carter, who was lighting up Canada a year ago. So it's going to be interesting to see that group of wide receivers matched up against a very young group of defensive backs. I really want to see how Eric Rowe looks out there. I want to see, you know, what the safety situation is next to Malcolm Jenkins, you know, how comfortable does Walter Thurman look in there and, you know, eventually Jalen Watkins. Uh, also the backup defensive lineman, there's a lot of hype about Taylor Hart and camp and you know, Billy Davis and as an arrow, keep on talking him up as this, you know, he's taking this huge step forward. So I really want to see what that actually means translating to, uh, the preseason game, hopefully he's going to be seeing snaps, you know, somewhere in the second quarter at least. Um, and then on offense, yeah, I want to see the receivers. I want to see Aguilar and see if he's a lot more comfortable, uh, if he can clean up some of those drops that he was having earlier in camp. And then I also want to see Josh Huff throw somebody. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, that'd be really cool. He's been killing it in camp and he just looks like he's like a six foot or like a five foot 11, just ball of really, really fast muscle. So I would not want to try to tackle him. So it, it should be really fun. Oh, and Marcus Smith. I want to see if Marcus Smith can do a thing. Yeah, that's basically, I, I only buy so much. I mean, again, there's there's so much praise in the off season as far as this guy steps up and looks like a new player. This guy looks like he's in the best shape of his life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I do want to see if Taylor Hart can do a thing. I want to see if Marcus Smith can do a thing. I know that there has been, you know, whatever. He's knocked him on his ass. He's also been juked out by, you know, Darren Sproles. So, again, it, it, I think it's important for those guys to kind of look good there. But along with everybody else, I mean, I think the focus just now shifts. I, I am so badly want to see how Walter Thurman plays safety. Um, and it, just from all the things that we've heard and – how he's just been able to, I mean, granted, there's no there's no real competition there, but uh, that, that's one of the things that I'm very interested to see is just how that ball, ball hawking skill kind of uh, it comes across. I know that people always say that he's this, you know, really willing tackler and all that stuff, but it just from my past experiences looking at him and looking at some games and film and all 22 is just that it, it, the, the tackling technique isn't so great, but he is type of that thumper that can play safety and all that good stuff. I also want to see, I don't know if it's happening or not. I'm trying to look at his, Ryan Matthews, I would assume, is going to get some snaps here. So that's that's an exciting thing for me to kind of look at. It's very disappointing that you're not going to have Kiko. You're not going to have Kendricks. You're not going to have D'Amico. So those guys are all out. You're not going to have Zach Ertz. On the other side of the ball, however, it will be nice to see Trent Cole uh, for how many ever snaps that he takes, as long as he's not knocking out one of the quarterbacks here, um, unless it's Barkley, and then that's okay, or Debo, really, either one, just make a decision. Uh, and, of course, you know, Todd Harriman's, because uh, I, I thought that that would probably be Todd's swan song, and I don't even know if he's actually going to be playing here, but it's really tough to come from that, you know, torn, it was a torn bicep, wasn't it, guys? 
Yeah, so it's really tough to kind of come back from that. I, I, I want to see how he kind of performs here, I guess. And then just during, during garbage time, you know, Rashid Bailey, he's kind of turned into the Knob Brown winner ever since Ja'Cory Shepard went down, and that's still a disappointment. I guess that's the other thing, too, is just see where Jalen Watkins is at. Most of my focus is going to be on the secondary now that we don't have to worry, worry about the offense. I really want to see them. And the obvious choice that we still haven't talked about is Byron Maxwell. You know, they, they, Billy Davis had hinted today that it went, or yesterday, I can't remember whichever, but uh, the, that he's going to trail maybe the number one wide receiver. So that's a little different from the mere image that the Eagles had been talking about for a long time. And I don't, I don't know what do you make of that, man. I, th- I feel like that's kind of a more of a, that's a weird philosophy change to do now. Uh, and maybe they just didn't have the guy to do it, you know, in the past couple of years. And that's pretty obvious here. But what do you make of that? That shift from going from a mere imaged, secondary to now Byron Maxwell falling around the number one wide receiver wherever he's at. Uh, good luck to him. Hope he does well. <laughs> yeah, basically. I just I, thought- you're, you're right. I mean, and you probably, you probably hit it right in the head where, you know, if you got Billy Davis drunk enough, he'd be like, yeah, well, did you see these assholes? But, um, <laughs> you know, as, as it stands right now, I think that, uh, I think that it seems like this is, this is the right thing to do when you have one corner who is, you know, just so head and shoulders above everybody else. It only makes sense to sort of make sure that he is in, um, he is in the place where he can do the most good. Yeah, Ben, you agree? Ben, you agree? Was that kind of, I don't know, that struck me as a little bit of surprise, like a complete, like, ah, we're going to change our philosophy now. Uh, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because Byron Maxwell is so much better and so much more experienced than any of the other corners on the team that, if we were just playing sides for the defense, then defenses would just put their number one receiver over whoever the other corner was. And Byron Maxwell would end up covering nobody basically. Uh, and that just seems like a waste of his talent or, you know, what you pay $60 million for. Right, so hopefully, right. I mean, we haven't had a defensive back who, who could possibly do that before. So I think it's kind of exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And if it doesn't work out, well, <laughs> then uh, look forward to that cut in about two years. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, and of course, we can't forget about Frank Gore, the, the truest eagle forever. It's going to be an emotional day, as, as I'm seeing Dave Mangles has professed out on his uh, most uh, recent article here with Patrick Walden. You can definitely go check that out. But uh, I guess we'll we'll leave it at this. And and this is the other thing that uh, you know Chip had mentioned today. There was a lot of speculation over Demarco Murray's kind of absence or lack of practice and all that other stuff. I always just figured it was kind of a pitch count slash, you know, they're treating this like an Adrian Peterson preseason. Uh, he just came off a, such of a workload here that they're probably just t- taking it very slow. And I remember Bo Jackson always used to saying like this, this is running is unnecessary. <laughs> and I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse about him coming into the season here, Matt. Um, this is about what I expected. I don't know why there's any possible reason why he should play. He's not rusty. Uh, he's not particularly, you know, he's not coming off of anything. Uh, if he were struggling and maybe you wanted to get him some reps, then maybe he would play. But from all, from everybody, everything everybody's saying, you know, the the chops busting aside, the the it seems like um, he is right where he needs to be. So keep him keep him out of there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that on the complete opposite end of what I was talking about with Bradford, I think there's a lot less like mental rust to be shaken off with Murray. And also because of the position he plays, it's not nearly as nuanced as playing quarterback. So really it's about keeping his legs fresh, especially after the workload he was coming off of. And, you know, they were talking about talking about that with the way they're having him practice is they're really kind of keeping him on a pitch count because the most important thing is getting him to the regular season with healthy legs. So I, I mean, I don't, 
I don't question that decision at all. Well, uh, it's going to be uh, hopefully everybody just kind of comes out of this thing healthy. That's really the only thing I want uh, overall. But again, still kind of going to be interesting to see these guys uh, finally get some football action. Uh, Matt Daring, final thoughts as we're rolling out here, bud. I was watching the Josh Huff return today with with our good friend Patrick Wall. Um, we were sort of talking about it. And I think the thing I'm going to get back to Huff for a minute here. I think the thing I liked most about it was he saw that the dude was about to catch up with him. So he slowed down, set his feet and chucked him to the ground and then sped back up. I thought that was really cool. You know, it was like, I got to be stable if I'm going to like punch this dude in the face. So he, he slowed down, you know, he got down to about half speed, knocked the only guy who could possibly catch him to the ground and then walked into the end zone. It was a pretty cool. Uh, it was a pretty uh, baller move. I'd say, um, Whatever. Let's let's get this to week two. Let's everybody be happy and healthy. Let's not pull, you know, Washington. They lost a couple of key guys. Uh, Dallas is down to their fifth running back now. Like like this doesn't need to be us. It yes. just it just doesn't. Uh, you know, and I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, maybe it's just sort of being real mealy mouth and holding guys out and letting everybody sort of have their chuckles about it or whatever. Or maybe it's making these games shorter or, or you know, like just allowing dudes to teams to be like, all right, we're done. Like, thank you. Thank you. You know, we've had enough, but like, there's really no reason why they need to be trotting out like some combination of starters, uh, potential backups, uh, starters, backups, potential backups. And then like dudes who will be selling cars in a couple of months here, like, you know, in some combination, it, it just seems sort of odd to me that like the, the benefits are, are uneven for for the for up and down the roster and across positions. So I don't know if you just want to make these into forty minute games instead of sixty minute games. Uh, you know that could be a way to do it. But like you know, regardless, like it just doesn't. This just doesn't need to be happening. Ben, final we, thoughts, buddy. We all know the reason why they're not forty minutes because then they would have to charge less. Yeah, that's well, true. That's true. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Ding, ding, ding. The answer is always money. Ben, your final thoughts as you're going yeah. out here. Yeah, I I think that. I think there's always reason to kind of be nervous considering all the variables that go into these players' health. But, you know, when we signed DeMarco Murray or when the Eagles signed DeMarco Murray back in March, of course they knew he was coming off a 392 carry season. Of course they knew how much, like the, the stats uh, about running backs who were dealing with that. And my guess is they had a plan for such a player where they were going to be like, all right, we're going to preserve him in the preseason. And hopefully that'll help his legs be ready for the regular season. And Chip restating that today or Chip saying, like, we're holding him out of practice because of the workload he dealt with last year doesn't mean he was lying about him not or not worrying about it beforehand. It was just maybe he had a plan when he was uh, when he signed DeMarco Murray in the first place. And I think that people are always looking for new and interesting ways to say Chip is some kind of idiot which I think is the one thing he's not is an idiot. Uh, which brings so. me, which brings me to my final thought. Chip Bobani Jones, shut up. It literally just find a new fucking hobby. Honestly, between this and Sam Hinkey and the snake oil and everything else, shut up or prove something that is, you know, in the, Ooh, you found the fucking key to everything else. Shut up. I, I, I honestly cannot take this anymore. Like it is, if let this, that's why the season needs to get here. I'm not saying I'm right about everything, but you know, it's obvious that everybody hits and misses here, but I, I cannot stand the, the automatically of just like, Oh, oh, oh see the plans not working. No, 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 no. When, when it's, when it's not even close to being done yet, we'll all be devastated. If Bradford goes down, we'll all say, okay, that didn't work. 
hey, you got a third, an extra third round pick. Now go get the guy that is healthy and stop screwing around here. But that being said, from going from that into the, everything that I see this morning of, you know, everybody's on Jim Tonsla's nuts because, oh, that's the way to coach and that's the philosophy to have. What are you talking about? Like, what is, what is going on here? I, 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 it just comes back to the whole thing where, yes, you can look at these things and question them all you want. We just did the same thing right up here at front. Some of these things make you really nervous. It doesn't mean that there's no plan in place and he's just kind of running around here. You know, it just might, it might be the wrong plan. That's fine. Let's find out if it is first. Let's yeah, or or it, it everything's not going according to plan, and I yeah. mean that's that's okay and too. That that's why you have Plan B. It's okay. Like that's what I'm saying. So it's it's A B C D E F G all, all through this mug. So uh, yeah, I guess football season just needs to get here because it's really we're really at the crux of uh, crux of all the explosions and all that good stuff. But uh, uh, if you're still listening, yes, uh, before Saturday, uh, you can uh, turn uh, on 97.5 The Fanatic. You can hear myself and Chris Stuber from 8 a.m. to noon. And uh, my boy Etan Shender and I will be have you right until kickoff from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. Uh, on 97.5 Fanatic. So you can tune in. So for myself, John Barcher, for Mr. Matt Daring, and of course, Ben Detan, we uh, thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio right here on bleedinggreennation.com and libertybroadcast.co. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on bleedinggreennation.com, fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.